Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Rock Chalk Jayhawk, recapping the Final Four and National Championship. The Cinderella coach finds a new head coaching gig. UFC 273, live from Jacksonville, Florida. Bruce Arians takes on a new role with the Buccaneers. The first major of the golf season is upon us, previewing the weekend at the Masters. The regular season of the NBA is coming to a close. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here again on a Wednesday night in Delaware, Ohio. We're in the studio in Matt's basement. And uh, like Colton said, we're going to just wrap up our final four talk here. The March Madness is over. And, you know, it was thrilling. There were some great games. Uh, you know, it was you know, unpredictable and just what everything that March Madness should be, I guess. So, um, yeah, we just want to go over just kind of a wrap up the, you know, the first final four game was the Villanova versus Kansas. And, you know, Kansas got them by 16 in a game that really I just didn't ever think Villanova was was competitive in. It didn't seem like mm -hmm. um, Kansas was just too much for him. Shot 53% from the floor, 54% from three-point range and just, you know, uh, just, I think, look, watching the game for me, just, just had the better athletes. I mean, I, Wright's a heck of a coach in Villanova, but uh, Kansas was just too much for him. Yeah, I think Villanova losing their, losing one of their guards the game before, I think that, that hurt quite a bit. It really, sure did. It really yeah. shortened their bench, and they just couldn't quite keep up. And can't, I mean, Kansas, as good as they are, man, they just, they poured it on. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, in that game, I mean, Villanova was able, you know, in the second half to, you know, kind of cut it close and, you know, get around that five to seven point mark, but they just never could get over, over that hump. It seemed like they get, you know, get real close and then Kansas come down and, you know, hit, hit a couple shots in a row and, you know, get back up by, by double digits. So it just seemed like, yeah, Villanova was, you know, fighting or, you know, putting a lot of effort in there to, to, you know, try to stay competitive. But, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, Kansas was, was the deeper team, I think, or, you know, just had a lot more options to go to for, for scoring, um, you know, and then that was one of my keys to, to the game coming into it. Um, you know, where was the scoring going to come from with, with, uh, you know, Justin Moore for Villanova mm -hmm. being out. I mean, that was almost 20% of their, their uh, scoring as, as a team out. And now you got to replace that in, in, in a very, you know, hostile environment, you know, big stage, you know, whatever. And I just don't think that, you know, Villanova had the, had the depth that, that we're used to seeing with it with the Villanova team. So I think that injury really did impact them in, in, in a big way. Yeah, and when a team's shooting lights out like they were, there's just oh, not yeah. a lot you can do. Yeah, right. team, team shoots over 50%. It, it doesn't matter how good you play. That's going to yeah. be tough to overcome. And over 50% for the three-point yeah. line on top of that. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, was, that was a – yeah, too big of a hill to overcome there. The second game was, uh, you know, rematch of the split earlier in the season in the ACC between North Carolina and Duke. You know – North Carolina edged them by four points in a, in a game that really Duke didn't play all that well. I thought uh, they maybe were feeling the pressure a little bit of the, you know, Coach K's last season. They only shot 22% from three um, and kind of their Achilles heel. Uh, you know, they only shot 60% from the free throw line. Um, and uh, Armando Baycott was just phenomenal for North Carolina. 21 rebounds. Mm. Just an absolute beast in the paint. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I was the only one on the panel to call call this game right, and it, it came down to exactly what I said. It was that, that free throw shooting where UNC shot 71%, with Duke only shooting 60. That's your difference right there. 
And then UNC also had a nice advantage on the boards, out-rebounding uh, Duke 50-41. to 41. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Love, though, that, that kid is spectacular. He didn't do much in the first half, but that, he poured it on there in the second half, and he, he played like he wanted it, that's for yeah. sure. That's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know – Watching that game, obviously, you know, it, it uh, you know, was a tough one, tough one to take on the chin there. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it was, you know, if I had to lose, I guess I, I'd rather take it in that fashion than, than getting blown out or, you know, not even having a chance to, to particular, you know, take the game, um, you know. And I had said that before, you know, before the game, you know, even started that, you know, I don't want to see UNC win. You know, I, I definitely want to see Duke, you know, Duke win it. But, you know, if, if I have to, you know, take one on the chin, at least I hope the game's going to be going to be good. And I, and I said that either way, even if Duke was going to win, I don't want to see them blow, blow out North mm-hmm. Carolina. I want to sure. see a, a good competitive game. You know, that's, that's what people paid to watch or, you know, paid to see. And then, and then it definitely lived up to, to the hype. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the last, you know, several minutes there in the game, it was, you know, blow for blow for blow. I mean, it was back and forth, you know, bucket for bucket there of, uh, you know, North Carolina throwing everything they had at it and, and then Duke, you know, countering with, with what they had. And and so it just was a very, very, very good game. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that that was, you know, the final four game because it had the, you know, it, it had the level of like a, a national championship type, right. you know, type game. So, but, uh, you know, hats off to, UNC for, for, for taking the W, um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously not, not the way that, that coach K wanted to probably send out, send yeah. out his career, but, uh, it was interesting. You probably heard it was the first loss in his, uh, career was the North Carolina when he took the Duke job. And that's how he ended his career was, uh, his final loss at Duke was against North Carolina. So, right. Right. Kind of fitting, but yeah. Uh, so then we, you know, had the matchup of the Tar Heels against the Jayhawks in the final game. You know, and after watching that Duke-North Carolina game, I thought, yeah, this one will be a letdown. But i tell you what, this was a very entertaining game to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, well, like, for, for half, you didn't think it was going to be. Yeah, right? yeah, I almost went to bed, actually. I thought, <laughs> well, I'll stay up and watch this second half and see what happens. And Kansas just, you know, just all heart. You know, they just they just poured it on. You know, North Carolina hit just a, a short stretch there where they couldn't make anything. And, mm-hmm. and uh it, you know, the big question coming in was, you know, how healthy was Baycott after rolling his ankle in that Duke game? Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the beginning of the game, he didn't, I didn't think he was going to make it. I mean, he <laughs> was just, yeah, he was a mess. All right. Uh, couldn't get up and down the court, mm-hmm. couldn't jump, uh, you know, and just, he looked bad. And I thought, yeah, I know the kid wants to play, but at this level, I, you know, almost thought they should have sat him. But I don't know, the more he ran on it, the more the game progressed, the better he got. He wound up, you know, just absolutely dominating on the boards, 15 rebounds, 15 points. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I think ultimately the 13 turnovers and only shooting 21% from three mm-hmm. uh, for UNC, you know, kind of did them in. Yeah, the three-point line's kind of been their, their bread and butter, and, you know, and to not be able to get those down, I mm-hmm. think that took a lot out of them. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, at the same time, you know, look, it, you know, as, as injured as, as Baycott was, or, you know, as much as that ankle probably was, was bothering him, you know, I, in my opinion, he still showed up, showed up to the game. And, and I think what the, the letdown for North Carolina is that, you know, kind of that supporting cast around him that had been so good in this, mm-hmm. in this tournament or, you know, whatever, um, just didn't, didn't come ready to play or, you know, just didn't have it, have it tonight or, you know, have it, have it that night, you know, RJ Davis and Caleb Love shot a combined 10 of 41 from Ugh. the field. So, you know, they, and they had been kind of a, 
a, a, a second punch or you know another yeah. you know another scoring option uh, for for North Carolina on this on this run to to the national championship and even even Brady Manick you know the, the the big beard guy you know transfer from from Oklahoma he just didn't have it that you know on on Monday night either he just wasn't you know as electric as he has been throughout throughout this tournament um, and just yeah just not enough scoring, I guess, or, you know, scoring options there in, in the second half for, for North Carolina. Um, and, you know, Kansas just, they came out, you know, second half. I don't know. I don't know what Bill Self did at halftime. I don't know what adjustments he made, but whatever it was, it worked. I mean, it, and obviously the guy is, you know, hands down, you know, probably the best coach Kansas history. I mean, he's, he's one of the better, you know, probably deserves to be up there on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball coaches. So, he obviously he's been there. He knows, you know, knows what it takes. So, you know, hats off to him. I think at the end of the day, yeah, the players, the players made the adjustments or, you know, executed the adjustments, but I think I have to, you know, give my hats off to, to Bill Self at, you know, whatever they did at halftime, you know, whatever mm -hmm. he said or made adjustments, it, 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 it worked. worked. So no, I also wonder if UNC got a little tired in that second half after every, all the emotion, all the energy they put into that Duke game. Sure. It, it makes you wonder how much they really had left. Yeah. In the you're tank. talking, you know, two days rest or whatever. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was an entertaining game to watch, you know, right. and you know, hats off to Hubert Davis. His first season as a head coach in North Carolina mm. gets all the way to the championship game. So, right, you right. Know, good things are, I think, on the horizon for mm -hmm. UNC as well. Right, so. right, absolutely. All right, uh, other big news in the NCAA after the you know his Cinderella run came to an end. The coach from St. Peter's, um, the Peacock, Shaheen Holloway. Uh, was hired at his alma mater, Seton Hall. He goes from a salary of three hundred thousand a year to two point four million. So <laughs> yeah, nice, nice little, little jump, nice right. little pay raise there. Um, right. Tell me what, tell me what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is uh, yeah, definitely you know as a result of you know what he was able to do at, at St. Peter's, and probably a lot of it to do with uh, you know what he did in this NCAA tournament. Um, you know, he made a heck of a run there, you know, 15 seed, the furthest a 15 seed has ever made it in the NCAA tournament, you know, knocking off the likes of Kentucky, Murray State, Purdue. I mean, some some big names in there. And and, and like you said, you know, I talked about it last week on such a small budget, you know, he was able to do, you know, do what he did, um, you know, and so, you know, hats off, hats off to him. Obviously, he goes back to back to his alma mater where, you know, not only was he an alma mater, you know, player but he also was an assistant coach there for, mm -hmm. for a long time too yeah. so you know a lot of a lot of ties to that to that program um you know and so you know i think he, he was a heck of a heck of a player in in, in college um uh, and and has been you know obviously his first head coaching gig you know at st pete he, you know had a had a decent record there you know 64 and 54 overall um and, and actually won kind of the the conference uh, coach of the year back in 2020 so you know i, I think this is uh you know obviously yeah a result of of you know what he did here recently but i think he did did some some good things behind the scenes there at, at st pete and and, and um, i think you know seton hall has always been a program that's that's been kind of a a decent you know uh ncaa tournament team or you know always usually makes it to the tournament mm -hmm. and you know sometimes can can make a little bit of a of a deeper deeper run if they, if they got the right the right players so We'll see what uh, what he can do at his at his alma mater, but you know, obviously, everybody's expecting big things based on you know his his performance at St. Pete. Yeah, in a situation like this, you know, it, it, it's weird because it's kind of a fifty fifty shot when you see these 
these Cinderella coaches that get these big jobs. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a right fit for him because it's not too big of a job. Right. It's not one where they're going to expect him to win national championships. Mm -hmm. They just they want him competing for conference titles. Right. And they want him, you know, Make go, going rounds in the tournament. Right, right. And I, I yeah. think he can definitely do that. So I don't think the expectations are going to be too high for him. I think he'll be able to coach his team up. Mm -hmm. and I think he'll do he'll do a good job. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Matt. Um, you know, to get a to get that team to the elite eight, you know, that's the highest seed ever to make it that that deep into the tournament. Mm -hmm. and yeah, they got beat by twenty by North Carolina, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know. I I hope it's just not. You know, Seton Hall making this making this decision knee, on emotion. kind of knee jerk reaction, yeah, kind of knee jerk reaction. I mean, he, he is only playing in the you know the Metro at Atlantic Athletic Conference, so I mean, it, it it's you're moving into you know kind of I wouldn't say an elite basketball program, but it's definitely a big step for him. And mm -hmm. I wish him all the best. I think he is a great coach. I just I just hope it's you know not too soon or, you know, not just, you know, just too big of a pill to swallow for him. Yeah, you got, you got to feel kind of bad for St. Peter's, though, because not yeah. only are they losing their coach, now their three top players are also entering the transfer portal yeah. going to, going out of town. So, right, yeah. right. Kind of sad to see for that program. Exactly. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think at the same time, it would definitely be what kind of players does he get, you know, there at Seton Hall. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, Shaheen Holloway, he, you know, at least with, with St. Peter's, it just watching, you know, the brief, you know, time that I did in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they were just a very fundamentally sound team, you know, and, and just, you know, I, I, I would believe that that's a direct reflection of, of their coach that, you know, he's, you know, teaching those fundamentals or, you know, because St. Pete is obviously they don't have the star athletes. They don't have the guys that you, you know, recognize or, you know, whatnot. So, uh, you know, you, you gotta beat them with fundamentals. You gotta, you gotta do, do all the little, all things, little right. things right to, to pull off those upsets. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, if he can bring that kind of mentality with a little bit, you know, bigger budget, more resources, I, I think he could potentially have, have some success there, there in the big East. So. Right. Okie dokie. All right. Well, that's, that'll be it for NCAA basketball for a few months. Anyway. <laughs> right. Right. Um, on to the uh, UFC 273 this weekend, like Colton said, Going live, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I think the big one, obviously, is the featherweight title. Mm -hmm. Alexander Volkanovsky against the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. Um, and he was a late fill-in. He was supposed to fight Max Holloway for the third time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he re-aggravated an old injury, possibly. Mm -hmm. There's a little controversy going on with that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about this fight and maybe a couple others there on the on the card all right absolutely so yeah like like dad said with this with this featherweight you know title fight between yeah the korean zombie coming in at 17 and 17 and 6 going up against the the champion and alexander Vol volkanovsky who's 23 and 1 um in, in his you know ufc debut so uh you know i i think this one is is going to be interesting to see if if the fireworks are really going to be there, um, you know, looking at kind of the Vegas betting odds, uh, Volkanovsky's a, a pretty heavy, heavy favorite coming into this one. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, has a lot to do with, with him being kind of a, you know, the Korean zombie being a late replacement, you know, not really preparing or, you know, being ready. And I guess, 
I say late replacement. I mean, it was back in January when they announced that he would be filling in. So, I mean, it's almost, yeah, you know, three months. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it's, they may be overhyping that a little a little bit. But, uh, yeah, just be be interesting. I mean, this is the only the second time that, that the Korean Zombies fighting for the belt or has had the opportunity to fight for the belt. And uh, it's been a significant amount of time. Last time he, you know, contended for the belt was back in 2013. Mm. He, he uh, you know, took took a loss there to, to Jose Aldo. But, uh you know, and, and, and he's also been slowly working his way back here in the octagon, um, you know, since 2017, because he had to take a, a three-year hiatus uh, because he is is from South Korea and, and due to, you know, South Korea's kind of military rules, he had to spend uh, about three years there in in, uh, in the military. Duty, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's slowly been working his way back, you know, to, to being kind of a, a champion contender, you know, in championship form. You know, I, I think he might be in a little bit over his head. I don't expect there to be a ton of fireworks in, in this one. I think both of these guys are kind of strate- very strategic type fighters. So I, I, I expect a little bit of, you know, dancing around or, you know, trying to trying to feel each other out. Maybe not as much, uh, you know, firepower coming at each other as, as you know, what you might expect for, for a, a title bout. So Yeah, I, I couldn't say it much better. And like I said, Volkanovski is 23-1, and one, but none of those losses have come in the UFC. He's undefeated in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect his first loss to come here. Yeah, yeah. And this is his third title defense um, since he's held that featherweight title. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was supposed to be his third fight against Max Holloway as well. Mm-hmm. And he's beat Holloway both times. But, you know, I think that was the fight that everybody was looking forward to. Um, and, you know, Holloway had to step away for an injury. and But now he's come out and said if something happens – he could step back in and fight. He yeah, made I, that did, comment I did. I did recently. See, see so, that. and you know, of course, Volkanovski that kind of got under his skin a little bit. He <laughs> said, "Dude, that's that's not the way this works." So right, like, right. Yeah. You know, either either you can fight or you can't. Right. So, yeah. You don't yeah. Uh, get the pick and choose there, but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely interesting. And I think I think the other you know other fight that that you can you know look at or you know is going to be I think probably a little bit more uh, interesting or whatever is, is the bantamweight then title fight uh, between um, kind of the, the champion um, if you will, and in Aljamain Sterling who comes in at 20 and three versus the interim champion um, in, in Peter Yan, who's 16 and two uh, because these two, you know, went at it back in March of, of last year um, in, in UFC 259. And, uh, to say that the outcome was kind of disappointing would be an understatement. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it was a, you know, a thing at that time, you know, Peter Yon was, the, was the champion. Al Jermaine was, you know, trying to take that belt away from him and it ended in a kind of a controversial, you know, controversial fashion. Um, Peter Yon was pretty much dominating, dominating that fight up until, you know, the fourth round where he got called for an illegal, you know, knee to the knee to the head. Um, and, there was some controversy around that because, you know, I, I thought, yeah, Al Jermaine did a little bit of a, of a of a good acting job to, you know, kind of pretend like he couldn't keep fighting or, you know, whatever, even though, like, after the fight was over, he was, you know, interviewing and, like, he seemed perfectly fine. So, it just a little bit of controversy there. So, I mean, I, I hope that this fight truly plays out the way that the first one should have, that, you know, we see these two guys go at it and, and really see – who the true true champion is in this in this one? So that'll be be interesting to to, to see how how it goes in, in kind of a round round two, if you will, of of this you know these guys mm-hmm. going at it. So all right, very good. All right, anything else on the UFC two seventy three? I don't I don't think so. All right, well, um, on to some NFL news real quick. Uh, 
Bruce Arians um, stepping down as the head football coach for the Buccaneers, but staying with the team as the senior football consultant. Mm-hmm. And he's even he doesn't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. They asked him, he said, I don't really know. He said, it sounds impressive, but he said, basically, I'm the ex-head coach of the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, at this so, point. Yeah, know, they figure they still got to pay him, so they might as well keep him on with right, some type of title. Something. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting to, to listen to his quotes and stuff. He, he, you know, everybody, you know, Tom Brady announces his return, and then, um, you know, they kept hush-hush, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, it comes out, Bruce Arians is, and it was all, oh, Tom Brady wanted him gone, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't <laughs> think any of that was true mm-hmm. from what I'm reading. Um he, the reason they were so long, he was long in making the decision is he said he didn't want to leave the Buccaneers hanging. He wanted to leave them in a good spot. He said, mm-hmm. I don't care about Hall of Fame. I don't care about more Super Bowl rings. He said, my imp- most important goal was leaving a, you know, a workable team for the next guy. You know, he had a succession plan. That was, that was his most important thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I, he said that if Tom hadn't re-signed, that he would have stayed mm-hmm. as the head coach to keep some continuity and maybe get them in a better place with a new quarterback for the following season. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but when Tom Brady come back, can't, you know, decided to come back, um, he said he felt like then he could step away cause they were in a good spot. Mm-hmm. He thought he was leaving them in a good spot, you know, and in capable hands and his assistant Todd Bowles. So. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think, uh, kind of with that, that senior football consultant, you know, title or whatever. I mean, if you look at that Bruce Arians, he's always been like, super heavily involved with, with the draft and, and scouting out mm-hmm. players and evaluating talent. So I think, you know, if, if people want to say, oh, he's, you know, moving because Tom, you know, whatever, like, I think if, if Tom really wanted him gone, he wouldn't be with the team. He'd have been period. gone last year. Or yeah. he just wouldn't be with the team. Period. Like, it right. would have moved him into a role at all. Like, he would be gone, mm-hmm. gone. Um, and, and to have moved him into a role where now he's, he's somewhat picking the players or, you know, is going to surround Tom or whatever, like, if Tom and Bruce were on the, like the same page, like he obviously wouldn't be in the role that he's in, you know, affecting, you know, a, a big part of, of kind of Tampa Bay's future, or, you right. know, uh, at least, you know, Tom's immediate future there. So I don't think that there's, you know, I think that they, the media wanted there to be, be for, you know, there to be a story there, but I just don't, I don't think that there, I really don't think that there was or is. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, be, be interesting to see, obviously, uh, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, stepping away and, and Todd Bowles going to, going to take and over. It's the- almost like, you know, listen to the talk and read the articles. It was almost like they let Arians pick his successor. I think he, mm-hmm. he wanted Todd Bowles. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, like Colton said, if it was a controversy between Arians and Tom Brady, um, I don't think they'd let him have his input on, you know, who, who his replacement was. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not like this guy's had a spectacular record. I mean, no. He's 86, 51 and one. So if they want, if, if Tom wanted him gone, he he could have easily had him gone earlier than, right. earlier than this. You know, he didn't need to fake retirement and then right. to get them to change their mind. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, and obviously, you know, like we said, you know, Todd Bowles gonna gonna take over the take over the helm there. And you know, I I said this when this first happened is God, I hope he does better there than he did in, in New York because what a what a disaster that was. Twenty six um, and forty one, and yeah, as a head coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, didn't didn't last very long there. You know, four four seasons with with New York, or you know, four plus with with New York there, and you know, obviously, I don't know if I put that all on all on him. You know, yeah, obviously not, the, not the, 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 the Jets there, are but... a dumpster fire, and you know, have been for you know the past decade or so. So, you know, I, I think you know he's obviously inheriting 
a much better situation there in, in Tampa. I mean, the guy, the guy knows defense. I mean, he's been obviously the defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers and, mm-hmm. um, had, you know, was a long time, um, defensive coordinator for, I, I don't know. He might've been there when Arians was the head coach for, for Arizona as well. He might've been the yeah, defensive coordinator there as well. The guy, the guy, you know, played safety in the, in the NFL. I mean, he's a defensive minded guy through and through, um, It'll just be a matter of, you know, can he get the offensive side of the ball, you know, figured out or, you know, can he put the right people around him to, to you know, get the offense going. And obviously mm-hmm. bringing back, you know, the veteran or, you know, the legend, if you the will, in, in, in Tom Brady. I mean, that obviously helps your offense out pretty significantly. And uh, keeping your offensive play caller there and Byron Leftwich still right. be calling right. the plays. But right. Like you said, this is a big change in philosophy for Tampa Bay, though. Mm-hmm. They go from an offensive-minded head coach who I think had more input than pe- – you know, he always likes to say, "Oh, I, Byron called all those plays," right, right. but uh, I think most people know he he was kind he of had a his hand in the cookie of a jar. Of that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, to to lose that that's big, but you know, having Tom Brady there to to you know kind of call some plays of his own on the field, I think that's going to help a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and uh, Tom Brady coming back to really help the help the Buccaneers. You know, we already talked about their center Ryan Jensen resigning right after Tom Brady did, and then. They picked up on the free agency market, not their own free agencies, but they picked up, you know, uh, Shaq Mason, a guard um, that was won two rings with Tom in New England. Mm-hmm. They got they got him. Uh, they picked up a, a very talented wide receiver in Russell Gage. He was in the second half of the season. He was probably one of the best receivers in the league. The second half of last season, and um, they they franchise Godwin again for the second year in a row and mm-hmm. ex- signed him to a three year extension, mm-hmm. and uh, and now Leonard Fournette, uh, their you know do all running back has um, resigned as well. So yeah, absolutely, they're bringing back a lot of pieces. Um, you know, Gronk is still a question mark, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, we'll you know, see what see what happens there. But uh, you know, just a quick uh, interesting fact that that I found when I was you know doing a little bit of research on on this topic. You know, with with Arians, you know, stepping down and you know Todd Bowles taking over, that means that next year 10, 10 NFL teams, almost a third of of the league, is going to have a new a new head coach. Wow. Um, and and that represents kind of the biggest turnover. Uh, since 2008, 2009, where they had 11 coaching changes. So mm-hmm. pretty big, uh, you know, pretty big step or, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams going in a, in a different direction or, you know, hiring some, some new guys. And, you know, we'll see obviously in a, in a couple of years, if it was good, bad, you know, in, yeah, indifferent. I, so. And I'm surprised nobody's picked up Byron Leftwich as a head coach. Yeah. I, I think, I think he'll be the next one you see, uh, you know, I, I think next year he'll be a head coach somewhere. So. Uh, I, th- I think it'll, I think it'll, key a lot on what happens this year though because like i said i think that question was still there was he calling the plays or was mm-hmm. arians i think now the arians is gone that's going to prove a lot for left which to really vault him into yeah. head coaching. That he was kind of the guy or yeah. you know put on his yeah. resume that yeah i was you know the sole mm-hmm. responsible person or whatever so yeah yeah all right well, we're going to take a real quick break for a, a commercial uh, stay tuned we'll be right back this podcast is sponsored by podbean Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. 
Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. Let's get into some golf. Oh, the Masters. You know, kind of kind of like NASCAR. They do their kind of their World Series or Super Bowl kind of up front. I know there's other majors, but to me, you know, Augusta, Augusta tops them all. Right. Uh, you know, that drive up Mont, uh, Magnolia Lane there to the clubhouse is mm-hmm. pretty phenomenal. Uh, just a beautiful, just a beautiful course. And I think, um, you know, zero. 10:34 a.m. tomorrow's the the time everybody's waiting for us when Tiger tees off he's his uh, you know his group tees off at 10:34 a.m. tomorrow so you know and I called it here first I got to pat myself on the back when <laughs> when Tiger announces oh I'm done with golf blah 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 I said he needs to give it time and see you know where, see what he's happens. been in he's been bedridden for three months right you know he's see, a see tremendous you- athlete you can come back from this, you yeah, know, yeah. and this is coming from a guy that's probably got as many pins and rods and, <laughs> and stuff in his right ankle as, as tiger does. So, right. you know, you, you can come back. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's great for golf, you know, it's, it's fantastic, you know, and like they kind of explained it today. I was watching some stuff from, they were broadcasting live from Augusta today. And they said, you know, now tiger just feels like this is just like, He's playing on house money now, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he feels like he's done everything in his career that he needed to do to satisfy himself. And now this is all just kind of icing on the cake. Yeah, right. So. Right. So that, that, but there's, know. there's some, there's, you know, bigger stories out. I mean, that's the big story, but there's, there's some other stories we want to go over and I won't spend too much time on tiger, but yeah, yeah. go ahead, Matt. Tell me what, you know, what do you look for this weekend in, in Georgia? Yeah. I mean, like you said, obviously Tiger Woods is, is the biggest story of the weekend. Everybody's looking forward to that, but you know, some other golfers just to keep an eye on this week, got John Rahm, who's currently the betting favorite going off at eight to one, followed by George Spieth at 12 to one, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas also at 12 to one. So I mean, really the field's kind of wide open this year. Betting is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Nope. There's no clear yep, consensus right. favorite. So, I mean, that that's going to make for an exciting tournament. And like you said, with, with Tiger coming back, he, he knows this course better than anybody. So if he can just keep this thing with it, within shouting distance, make the cut and, yeah. and, and keep himself there, mm-hmm. I mean, he could actually really have a real shot just because he knows the course so well. He knows how it plays. Right. He can probably putt it better than anybody out there. Mm-hmm. So if, if he can keep himself in shouting distance with, with the field not really having a real favorite, he could really have a shot here. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that. I mean, according to to Fred Couples, after you know his practice round or Tiger's practice round earlier in the week, he said he looked he looked phenomenal. He looked he looked like Tiger of old. So I mean, obviously, you know, wow. that's you know that that that's pretty big words to say. And obviously, it's only a practice round. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. Or you know, practice round you know doesn't count towards your your final score. So we'll see what happens. You know. I think the big thing is the longevity. Can can he hold up for, yeah. for four, you know, four straight rounds, four straight days, you know, and, and you know, I think that Matt's right. If he can if he can make the cut, you know, and, and get past those first two rounds and still look like he's, you know, right there in contention. I mean, I, I like his I like his chances there, but uh, you know, I, I always like to kind of dive into, you know, some of the some of the weather conditions or you know, some mm-hmm. of some of that as well. And you know, looking at it, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good a good weekend for for it's golf. Gonna cold. It's going to be cold, <laughs> cold, cold for Georgia's standards, yeah. it, mind you. I mean, here in Florida or here in Ohio, we're still freezing, but uh, you know, in, in Georgia, it's yeah, un 
uh, you know, it's 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 cold for for them, let's say, yeah. but uh, still, I think will make for for you know decent conditions. You know, very very low chance of rain. Yeah, I think a little the bit. highest day was like twenty percent, right like on Friday maybe. Mm-hmm. But the course is pretty wet right now. There was water standing in some spots today after right. some heavy rains yesterday and today. But uh, yeah, hopefully slow down the greens a little bit um, because yeah, you know, go, going into this, you know, I, I like you know five different kind of stats to stats to look at. You know, when when playing this course, that's that's approach shots, um, just because. There's a lot of sloping, speedy, difficult pin positions. You know, the greens are very, very, you know, kind of smaller and, and just you have to put your ball in a good spot to set yourself up or, you know, you could be taking a couple extra shots to, to get up there, you know, to have a decent line there to, to put it. So I like I like that. And, and Matt talked about it. Course, course history. Um, mm-hmm. It's only been one person ever to win the Masters on their very first attempt. Fuzzy. Fuzzy Fuzzy Zollers back in 1979. And there have been 17 golfers that have won multiple green jackets. So definitely, I believe, you know, course history. And I believe the last time that Tiger won, you know, won the Masters there there, um, at Augusta, that was the key for for him was that, you know, he – he didn't drive the ball, you know, the greatest. He didn't, you know, he, he just knew where he had to put the ball to, to set him up for, for you know, birdies and eagles and, and things like that. So I think definitely that is going to be, you know, a, a key going into going into this, you know, this round or, you know, this weekend. And then also the the par fours, um, you know, a lot of the par fives at, at Augusta are pretty easy to get to in, in two shots. So I think, you know, majority of the golfers, they're going to be able to get there in, in a couple shots. So you're not really going to separate yourself too much on the par fives. It's going to be, what can you do on the, on the par fours to really, really separate yourself or, you know, give yourself a chance to, a chance to win. Um, and another one, another one, you know, around, around the green, you know, I talked about, you know, the different slopes and, and speedy greens and things like that, but you gotta, you know, have some, some decent, you know, if you, if you lay up short of the green, you still have to have, you know, a decent, you know, shot up onto the green and, and set yourself up for, some close putts or, you know, some decent putts um, because, you know, what the, the PGA, um, kind of the, the governing body, the, the USGA, they calculate that the greens at, at the Masters are the fastest greens of any course in in, in the U.S. Um, so definitely, you know, you you got to put yourself up or, you know, set yourself up in, in position because, you know, if not, you know, it can get away from you pretty quickly uh, around the green. So, those are my kind of that kind old of, Georgia clay. Yeah. Can, can, you know, you know, you got, so those are kind of my keys or, you know, uh, some of the things to kind of look for of, of, you know, I think who's going to do well this, this weekend at the masters. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, I, I, hopefully it's, a, it's exciting. You know, I hope, I hope tiger, you know, that being a fan, I hope he, you know, contends and, and is there, like dad said, it's, it's good for golf. It's, it's good for the sport, uh, to have him back out there and, and be able to, you know, play, play competitively. So we'll, we'll see what, uh, what happens over, over the next, you know, course of the next four days. So yeah, you like Colton said, uh, the power fours are big at number 10 and number 11, the two hardest holes, uh, over the history, you know, on this course average about 4.3 strokes. Mm-hmm. Is that what, um, is that what they call amen, amen corner? That's the start of amen corner <laughs> right there. And then, uh, you know, you go into the par three, number 12, which, they said is one of the trickiest holes on the course because um, you shoot, it's only 155 yards, but uh, depending on the wind and direction and gusts, you pick anywhere from a six iron to a nine iron. So yeah. club selection is really important on, on number 12, how it's playing. And that's like the, the fourth toughest hole. So you got number 10 at first as, as the hardest, number 11 is the second hardest. 
and number 12 as the fourth hardest. So mm -hmm. a real tough stretch right there, I think. And, you know, we talked about this before, you know, my affinity for par threes. I love to watch the par threes because um, you can see the whole hole from sitting in one spot if you're if you're there live. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to watch, see how these guys play this wind because um, there is a couple of days where the wind gusts are, are like could be up in the 20 mile an hour range. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. And, you know, hey. now that you bring up number 12, you know, the 12th hole, I do remember that from from Tiger's win. I mean, that was kind of the separating or, you know, kind of where he he took the lead and, and really separated himself, because if I remember correctly, you know, at that time. Francesco Molinari, who was leading it, you know, plunked it. both the guys that were in Tiger's group on the on the final day. You know, Tiger picked a club and 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 you know went for it and you know stuck it there close to the hole. The other two guys, they they got you know got nervous or got the Tiger you know nerves or whatever. And I think both their shots plunked it in the water, and and that was kind of the difference maker for for Tiger to really uh, you know take the lead there. So it I think, extended that even bigger. I think um, that's that. Yeah, and I brought it out another 10 yards out mm -hmm. around the hole a little bit more. So, All right. So it'll be interesting to yeah, see how they, I'd find it. There's no doubt. That's where my balls go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the water is, yeah. When my ball finds, you know, so, packs its scuba gear and so, heads in. Yeah. So uh, real quick, fellas, um, I, I'm going to pick my favorite and I'll tell you why I, I'm surprised that Scotty Scheffler's not, you know, he's the number one player in golf right now. I'm mm -hmm. surprised he's not a, um, Higher, higher Vegas uh, favorite, Vegas. but uh, he's just not up there right now. So the guy that, you know, he took over number one for John Rahm is second. And he, I like him not just because Vegas likes him, but there's a couple other reasons I like him in this tournament. One is, is consistency. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. He's finished in the top 10 in the past four masters. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not in the, his last 15 rounds of golf. He has not showed shot over par. Um, and that's, Tiger holds the record at 16. So he's on, you know, that's some pretty elite company there. Right. So consistency, consistency and confidence. He's already said, he said, I should have already had a green jacket by now. He's kind of surprised that he doesn't have one, mm -hmm. which may sound cocky, but uh, to me, it's confidence. You got to be confident, confident to play this course. And he's also made the statement that uh, he won't quit till he has more majors than Tiger Woods, which might be out of reach, Ooh, but hey, to go. you, you got to start somewhere, that's though. A bold, and that's it, a bold statement. What better right place there. to start than, you know, the than first major of the year. Right. Yeah. So, you so, know, I like. Man, why, why is he shooting just for Tiger, though? Shouldn't, shouldn't well, he should be shooting know. for Jack? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. got to start small, I guess. Yeah. And I would even it, say that's you small. call that small. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I like John Rahm, you know, in this tournament. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, the average went like uh, guys – like Colton said, there's only been one guy that's ever wanted his first trip out here. Um, and their average win comes after like six and a half starts on this course. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, John Rahm has, you know, played this course a lot. So I, I think I like him with his confidence and his consistency. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I'm right there, right there on board. You know, I think, uh, you know, John Rahm will be there in the mix. I think Justin Thomas is always, you know, a golfer you got to look out for that always plays this course really, really well. Um, you know, and maybe a couple of dark horse guys that, you know, have, have decent approach shots. And, you know, I think is a very big key to this, to this, you know, to winning this, the masters, um, because the approach the past six years, the golfers who, who have led the field, you know, in, in approach shots are done the best with their approach shots. They finished first, first, second, third, first, and first. So wow. 
pretty much if you, if you can get your approach shots down, mm-hmm. you got yourself, you know, pretty much going to line yourself up for, for a green jacket. So, you know, I think, I think it's going to be, yeah, that that's going to be the, the, the biggest key for me is, is how do you handle those, you know, tricky greens and, and things like that. But yeah, John Rum, you know, Justin Thomas, you know, maybe a couple dark horse ones I'll throw out, you know, Will, Will Zalatoris, um, you know, possibly out there, you know, Vic, Victor Hovland, a, a couple of young guys that, could potentially, you know, compete just because they do have, you know, pretty good approach, you know, approach games. So I think they, they could make a run, you know, if, if, you know, but ultimately at the end of the day, man, I, I guess I'm rooting, I'm rooting for the, for the, for the tiger to, to see him, you know, do, oh, do yeah. well in this I think tournament. Everybody and, is. and I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if, I don't know if he's going to win, but I just hope he he's competitive. He's there, you know, and makes, makes a cut, cut and, and is competitive on Saturday and Sunday. So I'll, I'll say I'm rooting for him to do well. I'm not rooting for him to win because mm-hmm. I, that's Jack's my guy. So yeah. I want, he wanted to keep that record forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. All right, well, we're going to wrap up the show with uh, NBA talk. You know, we're down to last two or three games of the season here. The, you know, the the playoffs are kind of shaping up. You know, and they they we got these playing games we got to get through first. And you know, to me, there's some interesting matchups in these play in these playing games um, right now. I mean, it could change, but right now, the way it sits, you got the Cavs playing the Bobcats, and, and this no. is in the East, and. And Brooklyn playing the Hawks, right? No, so I think it goes. It's seven versus eight. And oh, I nine. thought it was seven ten. Yeah, no, it's seven it's eight play seven eight. Other. Okay, all right. Well, in I mix, a one game match, right, yeah, I, mix, right. I mixed that up. Yeah, so, they play the. You know, winner. the Cavs kind of came back down to earth. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, third and fourth for a long time this season. But hey, they're still getting into playoffs. So right, right. Um, you know, so you know, there's some interesting matchups. You got in the East. You got Boston, Milwaukee. And the 76ers, all with identical records right now with three games to go. Mm-hmm. They're all sitting at 49 and 30. Boston's got, I think, the toughest schedule to play going out. They got to play the Bulls. They got to play Milwaukee. And they got to play Memphis mm-hmm. um, to finish up. Milwaukee's got, obviously, Boston, Detroit, and Cleveland. And mm-hmm. I think the easiest probably is, is Phila with They, they go uh, north of the border against Toronto and then the Pacers and then the Pistons. So, mm-hmm. you know, and there's still some movement to be done there. But, um, you know, that, that's a really tight race there in, in the East. Yeah, I'll tell you, if, if I'm those teams, I don't think I want to be the two seed because I, I think Brooklyn's going to end up taking that seven seed. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you want to see Brooklyn in the first round. Get KD and Kyrie Irving across the court from you, I, that's – that's a scary, so, scary, no matter what round it is or how bad they've been. Those two are proven winners, and right. I, I don't think that's where you want to start the playoffs. Right? right, right. Yeah, to set yourself up with that that tough matchup uh, to, to start the playoffs, you know. And that was going to be my question to you guys. Is there anybody coming out of those play-in games um, that you think can make some noise going forward and – in the you know once we get down to eight teams yeah i think i mean uh, i don't know i mean the hawks are playing a lot better here here of late i mean they you know for the longest time when we were doing our nba segments they were kind of my most disappointing team but you know they found a way to claw their way back into this into this playoff you know playoff race and then get themselves at least the potential to to play themselves into the into the playoffs so you know i think they're always dangerous you know trey young obviously a very you know dangerous player and you know, we saw what he did in the in the playoffs last year and what that Hawks team was able to do. Obviously, it's a little bit different, you know, different team or, you know, kind of revamped team or whatever. But I think, uh, you know, always got to got to look out for them. And obviously, Brooklyn is, you know, we, we know what we're getting there with, with KD and, and Kyrie. I mean, 
I, I still don't understand the whole controversy around Ben Simmons or, you know, if he's ever going to play or what, what the deal is with him. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like he's more worried about off the court issues than, you know, getting back on the court to actually play some, some real basketball, but that's a story for a different, for a different day. But, uh, you know, I, I think they could be dangerous if, if he could find his way back to the basketball mm-hmm. court. I mean, that just gives him another all-star to, to add yeah, to the mix. Great and, defensive player. Right. I mean. Right. And, and so, you know, I, I think, yeah, those, those are the two teams in my mind, you know, Atlanta and, and Brooklyn that could make some noise and, you know, if they, you know, find a way to win their play-in games and make it into the the actual playoffs, they are. I think they could, you know, potentially make some noise in the in the first round. So well, there's still a small chance Chicago might fall to that play-in game because Cle- Cleveland wins out, Chicago were to lose out. Right. Those two would kind of swap spots there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chicago's got some talent on that team to, to maybe go. Ra- I don't. I, I don't envision them as a title contender, mm-hmm. but uh, they could definitely knock off knock off a favorite yeah right yeah. you know take it take a team to seven games or you know really yeah, I, really uh make a team sweat it out right I, and i think it'll be interesting you know Kyrie, you know he's got for what probably 20 less games on his legs than everybody else's mm-hmm. season because mm-hmm. he wasn't allowed to play home games until you know Here this recently. last two weeks or whatever mm-hmm. so i, I think brooklyn does scare me a little bit uh, for a team that's sitting up there you know, because of, like Matt said, the talent, the potential, I guess, that's on that team. And, you know, does, you know, they they make it to the playoffs and Kyrie's, you know, fresh legs and, you know, they, they, that can make a difference yeah, going forward. K- KD and Kyrie catch fire. I mean, yeah. there's just yeah. no stopping. Yeah, right. I think it just, you know, it, at the same time, you know, yeah, you got those two guys, but you got to, you know, you got to still have your supporting mm-hmm. cast that, you know, knows their role and does right. their role well or, you know, right. whatnot. And, you know, I, I just look back on a, on a recent loss from, from you know, the Nets. I mean, KD scored 55 points, and they still lost. Right. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, they the potential is there, right. but they can't just rely on, you know, that KD's going to, you know, carry them type deal. I mean, they still got to – Still got to play the you know the fundamentals or have some of the role players play some some key some key roles in that you know in there if they want to make some noise there there in the east. Right. So okay, very good. Well, let's move on to the west. I think the biggest news in the west, the Lakers, Out. are Bye-bye. not in the playoffs <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, not even in the play-in game. So you know this is the worst record that LeBron has ever had since he's been in the NBA on any team. Mm-hmm. You know, finished with the worst record ever. Um, you know, I think what's going to happen in L.A., obviously, Colton and I were talking. I think, uh, obviously, their coach is done. Yeah, I, I think, think that's pretty much a guarantee. There's already pretty much yeah. reports that he's not coming back right. next year. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But it'll it be interesting to me. I mean, I think that's almost a given. But it'll be interesting to see if they just try to fix it with a new coach, you know, and keep, uh, you know, the star players, the star are- players there. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they – break them up or try to rebuild that team. Uh, I mean, the thing is though, I, I don't know that they, they can really get rid of it. Nobody wants Ru- Russell Westbrook's contract. Mm-hmm. So th- that's an untradeable deal right there. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to be on the team next year. Right. I, you don't want to give away LeBron. I mean, you'd be the laughing stock of the NBA. You just gave him away. <laughs> right. So you, you can't do that. So maybe the potential is maybe Anthony Davis, but right. I, I don't know that that's the problem if he's healthy I, I think Westbrook's kind of been the, the cancer on this this whole whole thing and mm-hmm. I, you bring that whole core back and I think next year is just as much of a disaster as this year right maybe they but get in but maybe not. there is a coach that can you know a and guy mesh, like mesh all those like players, Phil yeah. Jackson they'll <laughs> pull him out of retirement or <laughs> right, something right. That, can, that can blend all these egos together on that team I don't yeah. know I, well, I, the question I, is does Jeannie bust take things back because she she gave an awful lot of power to LeBron to make 
make a lot of these decisions. He picked the coach. He's the one who wanted Westbrook. You know, he, he wanted he wanted all these guys that are on the team because there was talk they were actually going to not bring in Westbrook. They were going to get DeRozan and uh, oh, another free agent that was a really good shooter, both having great years this year. Mm-hmm. But LeBron wanted Westbrook, so they went that route. And it's not working. It hasn't it's not panned working. out for him. Right, I, mean, so. I think, yeah, I, I saw an interesting stat about the Lakers. They actually had – they had more – they had – 39 different starting lineups wow. that, that's more wins than they had they only yeah. had 31 wins so they had more starting lineups or you know 39 different starting lineups that's yeah like i said more than more than wins so you know i you know i, I don't say that that's an excuse as to why they didn't make the playoffs or whatever but you know you have to sit back and look and just look at the injuries that that did pile up and just you know all of the you know ins and outs and things like that and it just you know, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, like I said, that's not making excuse because at the end of the day, these guys still have, you know, three superstars, if you will, you know, on the, on that team and, and, right. you know, to not only miss the playoffs, but miss it in the fashion that, they, I mean, they were what, 16 or 17 games below 500. Like that's, they missed it bad. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't right. even, even, a, you know, obviously it was close because they still had the potential to make it to the play in, but this is not where, you know, people had expectations, you know, to, be the team that's just holding on or, you know, trying to fight for fight for a play in spot before we leave LA. So with three games left in the season, does LeBron play in any of those last three games to try to solidify the scoring title? He's, he's right there in the chase to to get that. And if he does, is that that a good thing for him or is that a bad thing for him? (laughs) Yeah. I say sit him and just, you know, it'll be up to him. It'll be his decision. Right. I I think potentially, cause I, I, I saw that too. I think, he only has to play in like maybe one of the next three games to, to be able to be eligible for the scoring title. And I think the last game they, I forget who they, somebody not very good. So I think he could potentially rest the next two games and play the very last game. I don't know if that makes it any better or makes it, you know, his image any better or whatever. But The only reason I brought that topic up, it was obviously a talking point on the radio this morning. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people said it'd be terrible optics for him as mm-hmm. he, he sat out and, in a game that, you know, his team was still still had a, spin, a chop, shot to make that 10 seed. Mm-hmm. And he sat out and watched it all go down the drain. Right. So to come back just to get yourself just a scoring a, title yeah. would, would look pretty bad. I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the, the winners in the West, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously you got Phoenix sitting there oh, at 63 and 16. Unbelievable just, team this year. Yeah, I you know, and I, I picked them back on our last time to talk as yeah. my is my – is my champs going out of the, you know, end of the season here. Um, and I, I'm obviously sticking with that. I think um, maybe the team that had a chance was Golden State, but I don't know, the injury bugs kind of hit them here this last mm-hmm. week or so. Um, not good news for them. Um, uh, who do you like? Like, is there anybody in the West that, that's going to be in that play-in tournament you think can make some noise out in the West? Yeah, so, you know, kind of how it stands now, the, the play-in teams, you know, you got – Number number seven, Minnesota, the the Timberwolves there at forty five and thirty five, and the eight seed you got the Clippers at thirty nine and forty, and then nine seed is the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans. You know, finally doing something with you know some of that talent that they have down there in New Orleans. Obviously, not you know still without without Zion Williamson, but uh, you know still they got a lot of young pieces and you know have the potential to to you know I think knock off you know somebody you know on on any given night, um, and then. Obviously, you got the the consistent or always consistent, you know, San Antonio Spurs there in the in the ten spot. So, 
you know, you obviously have the legendary coach and Greg Popovich and, you know, has been in the playoffs, you know, a handful of times and, you know, won numerous NBA finals and, you know, championships and things like that. So you always got to keep that, keep that in the back of back of your mind. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I think any of those teams really can be, can be competitive. I mean, the Clippers are getting Paul George back now. I mean, they, 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 uh, and they're saying Kawhi is right there. Like mm-hmm. if they, if they could actually win a couple games and, have a chance to take a series they said the potential he could actually come back in the playoffs now mm-hmm. what he would be right you know after not playing for what, almost two years right now, right be interesting to see but mm-hmm. to have that potential against you right is, yeah it's a scary Some, thing to look something at. you got to think about yeah. you know if you're one of those top top seeds is like yeah it, look at us you know we did so well in the season and look at the luxury we get of you know potentially have to take on Paul George and Kawhi in the, in the first round type deal. So, um, but yeah, I look at any of those teams, you know, at seven through 10, that could potentially, I don't know that they will be enough to pull off like a first, you know, first round upset, but I think that they could, you know, take a team to, you know, six games, seven games. Well, so. as good as Memphis has been this year, there's they're, they're a playoff unknown. Right. So, I mean, right. Yeah. Very, you very know, young team. Phoenix at least was battle tested last year, mm-hmm. showed, showed some grit and, right. you know, went rounds where, Memphis hasn't really proven that at this right. point. So to, they've to, always to been be in that, that team that plays Memphis. You Mem- know, Memphis has always been in that play in right. role or play in game or whatever. And they're, I mean, they're obviously it's, it's phenomenal or, you know, crazy to think what they've done, you know, in, in just a couple of years here with the, with the young team that they have, but yeah, you look at it and it's like, they do have a, a super young team with not a ton of, you know, playoff experience. So, you know, how, how does that, you know, how does that work when it comes, you know, when it comes playoff time? Yeah. Th- yeah does it hurt? Does it hurt them not playing in that plane with that young team? Mm-hmm. You're not so worried about, you know, resting your, your old guys as much. You got a lot of young talent on that team that maybe doesn't, they might be better off playing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so does that hurt them going in the layoff or whatever? But yeah, I mean, is there anybody out there in the West you think can challenge Phoenix? I mean, I think it's still a competitive West, you know, Western conference. I think obviously, you know, yeah, Phoenix has set themselves above not only the Western conference, but maybe the whole entire NBA just, you know, based solely on, on record or whatever. But, uh, you know, I still think at the end of the day, I mean, you just have a ton of, of, you know, a lot of those teams one through at least one through six, uh, have a ton of playoff minutes or playoff experience under, under their belts. You know, you got Memphis maybe being the one that's, that's kind of the oddball there, Mm -hmm. but I mean, Golden State, you know what they got. They have, you know, a lot of the same team that that won NBA Finals that have been, you know, to the Western Conference Finals multiple times. I mean, Dallas has been to the playoffs a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of years in a row now and and have, you know, taken the Clippers to, you know, giving them all they can handle. And, and, you know, you got the the Jazz who, you know, have have been pretty competitive in the West and been kind of where where Phoenix has sat, you know, at the top of the, Mm -hmm. the West there and, even Denver, you know, is only a few years removed from making it to a Western Conference Finals. So, you know, I think one through six, I mean, you got, you know, still a tough, you know, a tough, uh, you know, road there, uh, you know, even if you're if you're Phoenix. I don't think that it's going to be, gonna be, gonna a, be a, cake, a cakewalk yeah. for, for Phoenix. Um, well, I you agree. Know, so, I you know, and I think, um, yeah, I think obviously to me, Phoenix has got to be the favorite for me coming out of the West. And to me, I like I like Philadelphia coming out of the East, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, you know, when they, when they made their changes to their lineup recently, um, they've gotten better. And yeah, I like Joel Embiid as MVP. And I just, I think Philadelphia has got a lot of momentum going in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, out there, like I said, I, the West, I think is a big, I think you can pick anybody to come out of the, come out of the West and you wouldn't be surprised. Um, 
And I think the East is probably just the, the top four. Yeah, and, I think I think for me, I, I like Boston's chances to come out of come out of the East. They're they're probably you know right there with the you know the record doesn't really show it because they kind of got off to a rocky start and you know not the not the best you know start that they wanted. Is there but, is there center back from injury yet? Because I know that, yeah, that was a huge loss. Yeah, I don't I don't I think he may or may out. not be able to make it back even for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if he's out, I think that that changes the dynamic big time in mm-hmm. Boston. I think I really really hurts their chances right but Miami, especially on the defensive side i think he was you know not contributing as much you know a little right. bit on the offensive but i think he's a yeah. big defensive anchor for them right. in the, in the paint so been defensive player of the year right right so I, I like boston chances you know they're they're you know right up there with phoenix as being one of the, the hottest teams i think in, in in basketball right now and i think if they had started off a little bit better i, I think they would be you know right around that you know same record or you know being maybe the upper fifties of, of, of wins, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But like I said, they got off to kind of a rocky start, but they've, they've definitely figured things out or, or, you know, like I said, one of the, one of the toughest, you know, or, you know, hottest teams in, in basketball right now. Oh. All right. Very good. Well, that's our show for the night. Other than one other note, opening day, yes, major league baseball tomorrow. That means warm weather is just around the corner. I hope. I hope so. So yeah. So. <laughs> oh, looking... and do we do we have winners for our oh, uh, yeah, March yeah. Madness contest? Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to our first place winner, Crew. Second place was Newt, and third place was uh, Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, we'll get and we'll get prizes out to those three, and um, you know we part you know appreciate everybody that participated. We had well over thirty. Um, guys in our pool this year or fans in our pool this year so uh you know we appreciate the support and uh you know we'll come back to you next year yeah we'll look forward to march madness next year so absolutely we're gonna we're gonna do our show on thursday night next week so you know come back join us or listen listen to taped episodes and uh, we'll let fulton uh do the work here at the end yeah yeah so thanks for listening to fired up with your host colton cal chief rob cal matt cordis uh we hope you enjoyed our our episode this week and you know if you want to hear other topics for for future episodes or you just got a, a big burning sports question that you you know want to hear us talk about or you know kind of ponder us a little bit about you know what's what's going on in the sports world uh feel free to reach out to us on our instagram our, our handle is fired up underscore podcast or you can find us over on Facebook um, if you search for Fired Up, Comma Sports Podcast. Um, and as always, you know we, we have a website as well, um, which is firedup1.podbean.com, where you can find uh, all of our past episodes and you know just a little bit of information about you know about the show. And um, you know, like Dad said, we you know record episodes you know once a week, and you can find all of our past episodes on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of: Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So. They got a you know podcast platform. We we you know we're there. So you know we appreciate you guys listening to us. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.